last week. On the Lords of Grantham podcast, we talked The Crown, Season 5, Episode 2. In that episode, Prince Phil took up carriage driving. He loved it. He let other people know about it. Big fan. Uh, we also saw uh, Princess Diana. She started ghostwriting a book about herself, an autobiography that would spill all the details about her marriage and the family. Uh, and uh, Prince Phil confronted her to be like, that's going to be causing some problems. And we'll follow up on that, or not, this week on the Lords of Grantham podcast. And just like that, it's December, it's the holiday season, and we're back on the Lords of Grantham. Corey, how is it going? It's going well. How about you, Dave? You just got back from Disney. How how'd you like it? Disney World, right? Disney World, and uh, you know, I did a day in Universal Studios. I know you did that as well uh, in California. In yeah, <laughs> it was good. It was great. It's fun. Um, mm-hmm. You walk any, a lot. Yeah. A- any highlights from from the walking or or just the Disney just as a whole? The, uh, the highlights. Uh, the new Star Wars ride, Rise of the Resistance, is a is a transformative experience if you're a Star Wars fan. Oh really? Okay. It is a door like walking in the line, like when you get into the ride to when it ends. It's like a 24 minute experience. Oh wow. Okay, so you get your your time's worth there. Yes, you do. So. Uh, yeah, I did the Millennium Falcon ride. I really did not like that. I thought it was a okay. very uh, the pro, okay. I'll, the, so the Millennium Falcon ride is kind of like a video game, mm-hmm. and there's like six positions, and the only real good positions are like the pilot and the navigator because you move up and down and left and right. I've heard this. Yeah. So I went, and there were four of us that were probably in our late twenties to mid thirties, mm-hmm. and the people that were piloting were in their sixties. So you just crashed so, immediately? We just crashed and burned the whole time. And, you know, I'm a big fan of the ambiance. The one thing about the, the whole Star Wars Batu um, Black Spire Outpost is it's very tactile. There's so much stuff that like you didn't think you would be able to hold in your hand yeah. or look at or smell. And it's all there. And then I'm just looking around the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon and there are these two boomers knocking <laughs> us into the bottom of caves and stuff like that. And I was just getting real fed up with it. So, yeah. Uh, Did blame, you, well, go ahead. I say blame it on them. Maybe the ride's like a. I'd say at its best, the ride might be a B B minus, but with right. them it was a C C minus. Noted. Okay. Yeah. Did you get to go to to Britain in Epcot? Did you Did you have some British flavor? I, I did all of Epcot multiple times. Oh, because, okay. So um, you went around the world a few times. My my uh, the resort I was at was like uh, half a mile from Epcot, so we had park hoppers. So. Wherever we ended the park, or wherever we ended the day, we could just go back to the hotel, get changed, relax a little bit, and then go have a drink and something to eat in Epcot. So I did the the tour of the world multiple times, and uh, yeah, I did England. I just went and got a beer. Do they do uh, they talk in British accents to you when you're there? Not in Britain, but they do hire <laughs> international people. Like I did the Ratatouille ride, mm-hmm. and the the woman working was from France. Um, a lot of the the chefs are of the cultures that okay. they're working at, you know, in the, the land. I've never actually done the around the world stuff. And you probably never prior. will again, right? Uh, I mean, the food was fantastic. I will say I'm okay. not, I, I didn't drink around the world, but I did eat 
a fair share of worldly food that is delicious. So I think uh, I would probably would do that again. There's not many good rides there, though. I mean, the Ratatouille ride's pretty good, but ah, enough of that. Yeah, people Uh, are just like, okay, get get to the British, get the British drama. (laughs) I had a beer in England. It was good. Mm -hmm. It was called Boddington's Boddington's Pub Ale. It was a cream ale. Okay, I cross referenced with our. patreon uh, group and our friend estelle said it's not a very common you know it's not like an everyman beer as i've count my yeah. like you think so if there's a british fans that are pro boddington's let me know it sounds familiar but yeah well there's been some stuff going on in, uh, outside uh, of you going to disney and with <laughs> you know all the shows that we watch uh sybil uh, Jessica Brown Finley uh, from from Downton Abbey. She gave birth to twin boys uh, recently. What? Twins. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I guess they were. What was it? They're eleven five eleven two is when they were born. But that would be, I guess, eleven so backwards with eleven five. Yeah, I November fifth. That's why I think it, it around. The the two is missing at the end, but yeah. Yeah. So November fifth, and yeah, she had struggles with her IVF, but. She had twin boys, so congrats to her. Uh, in other news, Jim Carter... Uh, had, tw- had twins. No, he's in a bitter battle with the girls' school. Uh, they have... Yeah, yes, the husband of Imelda Staunton, who plays uh, Queen Elizabeth in The Crown, uh, he has written a letter because they want to uh, make a, uh, a tennis court for a local girls' school, and he is not okay with it. Uh, he has called it an aggressive game with associated aggressive levels of sound from players and equipment on a small patch of ground. Um, he, he, he's just worried about the noise of <laughs> reaching him. Uh, he, Carter said noise level assessments for tennis bear little relationship to the explosive noise associated with paddle. What? Because uh, uh, I guess that uh, he, he wants the, the pupils instead to play paddle. A mixture of tennis and squash on the new court instead of so tennis. So like pickleball or something like that. It's a mixture of yeah, it's paddle. It's it's a mixture of tennis and squash. It's it's not as loud as as tennis. So, I don't think Jim Carter's got the kind of pull to do that. I mean, maybe Imelda Staunton does. She's she is the queen. That's his that's his wife. Sure. So, anyways, we'll that's going out. on. And then uh, Dominic West was on Jimmy Kimmel, and he says uh, that. They've been saying that you're too handsome to play Prince Charles, and I think that's true, said Kimmel, to which West responded, well, thank you very much. I have had worse criticisms. So he's okay with people saying he's too handsome to play Prince Charles. I mean, that's got, that's like, <laughs> it's obvious that he's too handsome to play Prince Charles. Like, duh. Right, right. But we do need a guy who cheats, and he fits that role, so there you go. That That's why yeah. <laughs> you have to note, note that every single week about Dominic West. <laughs> Anyways, we still, him, we still love him as a performer. Oh, he's great. He's fantastic. Doesn't get much to do this week. No, not at all. I mean, that's a good segue into this episode, Dave. Mumu. I feel like last week we're like we're gonna be done with this in twenty minutes. This episode, maybe even faster. Good episode though. I thought this was a fantastic episode. It was a good episode, but it, to me, it wasn't a good episode of The Crown. It was just a good episode of TV. <laughs> That's fair. It um, was like it was like a Shonda Rhimes crossover event. 
This is so how to get away with the crowd or something. Yeah, it's like you know when the Grey's Anatomy doctor takes care of of uh, Amelda, not Amelda Stanton. Um, you know, one of these characters from How to Get Away with Murder or or um, the Good Wife or whatever episode. one of her shows. You know, yeah, it's, it's a, a lot. It's a crossover it, event without any of the crossover. <laughs> right. Theoretically, this could launch the Alpha Ed show, uh, from which I would watch. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> I I enjoyed where they they went with this episode. Um. Which starts with uh, some people playing soccer in Egypt in uh, 1946, mm-hmm. and a familiar face is coming coming through. I, I literally looked at my screen and said to myself, "That ain't who I think it is, is it?" It's <laughs> <was> the Duke, <laughs> Uncle it's Dave, the Duke of Windsor, King Edward, none other than the one who abdicated the throne. The biggest piece piece of anti-Semitic trash. Uh, this side of Kanye West, King Edward. Oof. Anyways, he's in Egypt. <laughs> yep, he's there. And we see uh, this little uh, interaction going on between Muhammad Al-Fayed and a mm-hmm. guy who is uh, selling... No, Muhammad Al-Fayed is selling Coke on the street. Yep, Coca-Cola. Yeah. Not not drugs, and this right. other this other guy is like, hey. You know, like basically, Muhammad's hitting on his sister, and he's like, "Get out of here! You're mm-hmm. no good for my sister." Oh, yeah. but by the way, how much Coke Coca Cola do you sell? And he tells him, "You know, I sell like sixty bucks, sixty bottles a day on the weekend, something like that." And he says, "How much money do you make?" And then he just says, "Let me buy you a thousand bottle cases or bottles of Coca Cola. We'll split the profits." And Al-Fayed is like, well, I don't know. And then decides, I'm going to do it. And then there's some herky-jerky editing here. I even like went on the Reddit boards and read some comment sections, and a lot of other people had issues following how fast they moved through time here. Because it jumps from, from that to, I guess he's with that girl that he saw there, getting married to her. And for a guy who was like coming off the streets selling Coca-Cola... It's all of a sudden he's he's got money to afford this lavish wedding. <laughs> we, we we skip but, a step or two there. They also do a a sequence where they show him and it's like this teacher is talking about um, the Duke and how you know this is mm-hmm. who he is and there and 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 he's complaining. He's like, "Who is this school teacher? Think he is that he's just you know bowing to British culture like?" And I'm. You know, I'm. I, I will say outright that I didn't know. I, I've heard the name Muhammad Al Fayed over the years, but I don't know anything about this guy. Yeah. I don't know about his story. So I was like, is this guy some like radical leader or something like that who's going to be a big thorn in the queen's side? And then it flash forwards, and he's like an Egyptian aristocrat. <laughs> yeah, because uh, because you you do see early on like um, the moment with like uh, yeah he's talking to the guy. He's like, oh, who's that? It's the Duke of Windsor. And he's like, we don't think anything of him, but Mohammed Al-Fayed's like, oh, they're everything. And he he has that conversation more with his father too, like, oh man, I saw him today. He like the Duke of Windsor, the king. And his dad's like, don't analyze that guy. He he's trash. And then even then, don't don't analyze royalty. But he's like, nah, man, British royalty. That's that's what's up. <laughs> and then he's an aristocrat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like that. Yeah, I was getting mm-hmm. a little bit more like I thought maybe he was gonna be like. Be like you know, the guy selling Coke is going to be annoyed and angry and bitter at the the monarchy. And, but he's like, he loves it immediately. It's like, huh? 
Yeah, and I thought for a second we were following the guy who was with the girl and not the guy selling the Coca-Cola. <laughs> Anyways, uh, King Edward is, uh, you know, uh, after some event, talking to his wife and stuff and just talking about how things are. And they notice that this uh, man from the Bahamas there that's been working with him, he, he does his job really well. Mm-hmm. And he wants to take him on uh, as, a, as a butler on a permanent basis. Yeah, Sydney. Yeah. And he does. And he does. He, he makes him a, a job offer he can't refuse. And I, I kind of thought this guy was going to say no, or, you know, it was going to be... You know, I was looking for a lot more bitterness in this episode, and it seemed like the only bitterness came from the crown, the actual royalty. Right. Well, understandably towards King Edward. I mean, yeah. the, the Duke of yeah. Windsor. Oh, yes, yes. You don't say. Yeah. Uh, and yes, we see a, a, this guy get married. He has a son, and they call the son Dodie. Yep, and he's gonna love him. You know, he's the greatest miracle on earth. Mm-hmm. And so we jump ahead all of a sudden to 1979. Uh huh. And Al-Fayed is much older, <laughs> like out of nowhere. It's like he doesn't really look much like the guy they cast to play young Al-Fayed. So trying to connect even more dots there of like, wait, who who am I following again? But uh, yeah, it's Paris, France. And Al-Fayed is uh, having a, a meeting with um, the owner the of the Ritz, the Ritz family. And he's offering $18.6 million uh, to make the Ritz the greatest hotel in the world. Yeah. And he does the thing that every sort of uh, nefarious foreigner does and like, action movies where he speaks English and then when he wants to make his point he starts speaking his native tongue and having someone translate as he gets more and more emphatic mm-hmm. and and so Dodie is basically translating this this very well performed monologue uh, about how you know he always idolized the Ritz and it was the greatest hotel and now it's patrons are running away in droves yeah and but he's making good points here where it's just like I'm coming to you as correct as I can. I've gotten all my papers in line. I got the right backers to help me buy this thing. And you're just turning me away because you're just racist French people, <laughs> you know? So uh, I don't want to do business with you. And he's about to walk away. And they're like, no, no, no. You can have the Ritz. It's on me. 18.6. <laughs> we'll take it. Yep. Jump to the the party that where they're opening up the Ritz and everything and <laughs> celebrating that he's... Uh, running the show. Uh-huh. And there's a, a guy there, uh, a servant there serving food who's of color. He's a he's a black man there, and Alphayed's like, get him out of here. We can't ruin the, the night here by having a person of color serving people. Nope. Pretty pretty interesting tack there where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, even you know, people from the Middle East are going to be racist towards other people because they have their own impression of what the way the world should be just because, you know, that's what's been propagated through media and everything. <laughs> um, but Dodi mentions to, to Mohammed that I kind of like the guy. He worked for the, the Royals at one point. Yep. And there's another chance meeting at this event as well. Uh, Heine from Finland. Just walking through. Yep. That's all we need. <laughs> Does she have to speak in this episode? Uh, I don't know. Does she? I don't think so. We only get one more reference of Heine, and spoiler alert, he, he, I guess he marries her because the only other time to show her is in bed sleeping for some kids. reason. 
Y- yeah. Anyways, <laughs> that, that's the thing. Um, but yeah, for some reason, Dodie had talked to this servant. He knew who he was already. I guess Dodie is very particular with who is hired for this Ritz building. Uh, but Alfayad wants to, to get to know him. He's like, oh, he works for the Royals. Let, let's let's introduce him. Let's, let's talk and everything. So he has him come over the next day and offers him a job to educate him about how the Royals do. He wants to be the same. He wants to do what they do. Yeah, and we get a little montage of uh, spliced footage between the Duke of Windsor and the Duke of Windsor and Sydney, and then Sydney and Mohammed, and mm-hmm. the sort of duality of of training to one to be royal. And apparently, Sydney Johnson knows everything because he tended to every want and need of of uh, the Duke of Windsor. So it's a rare access to the inner circle of. You know, people who know what's what's going on with how to treat royals. Yeah, good little bit. I like Sydney. Yeah. Um, and so, what is it? You know, you, you see how this permeates to him having Dodie take up uh, polo, even though he's not a talented polo player. Uh, and, and Dodie makes the case to his father, like, I want to run my own business, you know? Like, you keep investing everything. You're cutting me off with the legs. I want to live my life. Yeah. So what's his passion? What does he want to do, Dave? He wants to make movies. He wants to be a producer. He wants to be the money behind movies. Yeah. Now, this was the moment where I was kind of on uh, Muhammad's side where he's like, it's my money. I'm rich. You're not rich. I'm rich. Mm -hmm. It's not like he's like, oh, I want to go perform and use my craft to find, or I want to use my creativity or my brain. He's like, I need to pay for something to get funded, and I need money. And you won't let me have the money that's mine. It's not yours. It's mine. Yeah, it's a fair point. Um, And then Smash cuts to a beach where men are running on it. And I thought to myself, that looks a lot like Chariots of Fire. Lo and behold, they helped fund as executive producers Chariots of Fire. But Netflix, you know, they've been throwing out this money left and right. They couldn't couldn't get Chariots of Fire, the theme. Yeah, I mean, it's a big ticket item right there, that music. Um, and, but, but Muhammad is not sold on it until his son explains to him, oh, no, this is a story about outsiders trying to get on the inside. Well, at first yeah. he says it's a story about a Jewish guy, and Muhammad goes, like, oh, come on, no one wants to hear that story. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then he but explains, he... yes, it's an outsider becoming an insider. <clears throat> Overcoming prejudice to get the gold. Yep. And then Muhammad's like, all right, I'm in. You, so, you also, like that. He's saying, like, we're on the beach. Where's the girls? It's like, you're on the beach in Britain, bro. <laughs> you're not always going to find girls there. It's going to be raining and, and miserable. It's also like, yeah, you got, like, a hot Finnish wife at home. You don't need more girls everywhere. Hey, he's Mohammed Al-Fayed. Uh, cut to them watching TV late at night. Cindy Johnson's still serving them late at night. And Chariots of Fire wins Best Picture. And, again, this is where we get the awkward edit that Heine is sleeping. This is the only other interaction we really get with her in the episode. <laughs> Just to let you know that he, he got her. Um, and yeah, he, he won the Oscar. Or he, well, he, he helped, yeah, get one. It, he gets yeah. thanked in the acceptance speech. Exactly. That's it. Now we jump ahead a yeah, few we, years. Yeah, we jumped, a, <laughs> we, and we also skipped over the fact that there's the, um, the, the, the polo game. Because they, the polo game where, Muhammad buys this super expensive ticket to try to get near the queen. Right. And he's like 20 rows back and he just sees the back of her head and he mm-hmm. says, 
you know, who's in charge of this? And what's the, the store that sponsors it? It's a Harrods. Harrods, yeah. So he is yeah. he says, Oh, that's the owner of Harrods. You know, you gotta He's the sponsor of the event. He sits next to the Queen and then Muhammad's like, Let's buy Harrods. Yeah. He he wants to get next to her. Uh and they kind of jump forward a few years without mentioning it because uh, was they, they buy Harrods, but Sydney, he, he's still miserable. Uh, he's miserable right now, apparently, uh, his butler. And he's like, I bought Harrods. We won an Oscar. What could be wrong? And then we find out that um, the, the Duchess the Duchess of York has passed away, which it's funny. Cause this is Yeah, this is five years on from Chariots of Fire winning an Oscar. So it's kind of funny that he brings up like, we won an Oscar as if that just <laughs> happened when it's five years on. We've been resting on our laurels for five years. Yeah. Um, so, yep, we see them burying her. Cindy's really beside himself because he was there for the family. And we get this really rough montage of, of her her ailments where she was just kind of losing all her faculties in her later years. Um, and it was like, I don't, I don't know. She was apparently deranged and she had arthritis. It's a, They really went there with that for a moment. Don't know why. Odd choice. Well, I think they wanted to show how uh, how her outcast they were, especially after the Duke passed. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, there's there's a home that's left there that's up for sale with a bunch Quiet. of royal houses there. <laughs> Dude, he wants it. He buys it. And he goes. This is it. You know, I'm gonna restore yeah. this. And he he keeps you know like he he keeps going out to the front front lines and saying like I'm doing this for the right reasons mm-hmm. I'll spare no expense to make this great and I think considering where he started I, I, can't, I can't see any fault in what he's doing no he, he's paying his way up to get closer to the royalty yeah and on their level. we see fellows is like hey so this Al-Fayed guy bought your brother's or your your uncle's house mm-hmm. and there's a lot of stuff in there and I think we should get it and he's offering it to us but we gotta go visit and get it it's got Queen's Mary's pearls uh, the Duke of Windsor's diaries and desk which you, you probably want that um, he's like yeah remember how the Nazis almost made him the king yeah and, the, and they're like oh yeah yeah please we don't have to talk about that and there's also a picture of a baby and a, mm-hmm. a you know like a crest or a, a banner of some sort yeah so Muhammad's like Sydney they're coming baby it's the call we've Get been waiting Dodie. for <laughs> but it's just fellows yeah they, they don't come through and it's really pretty rude I mean I get it too he's he's, he's I mean he, but the thing is he's giving them their items back he's being kind about it yeah but, not, it's not a sale or a transaction it's just like here are your things have them yeah Bye. and also Oh, what was I gonna say? Like he's just doing, he's doing this, and he's he's happy about it though. And I, <laughs> I mean, by the end of the exchange, he's like, to make the queen happy. What what what's better than that? That's true. And where was I going? Him and uh, him and Sydney are like this is this is basically like they're they're just honoring this legacy, even though the royals are like it's not a legacy we even acknowledge. Yeah. And it's funny because in that moment, Cindy's like, 
I know what you're thinking, and believe me, King Edward thought worse. And then Alphad's like, nah, this is great. <laughs> Which I think disappoints Sydney a little bit that this guy doesn't get that <laughs> the worlds aren't all that they're cracked up to be. But I do love his outlook on all this because he's not like upset. No. When he has every right to be, he's like appreciative of closing in because he knows he's like his degrees of Kevin Bacon are getting shorter and shorter to the queen. Yep. And this continues, well, I guess also in in the middle, Sydney has been coughing the whole episode as the Netflix uh, closed captioning will will let you know he's cough, cough every couple minutes. And he ultimately just has a very quiet passing. And, And Fayed is, you know, giving him tea, giving him medicine and tending for him. To give mm-hmm. him a much more dignified passing than the Duchess of Windsor did. Yeah. And then when he gets it, buried, he gets a nice little headstone that says butler to the king. Or valet yeah. to the king. Which is it's just nice. It's a little sad, though, that he never really gets to meet with the, the queen. He t- Because we do get the long montage of them renovating the home that where he worked uh, for, for the Duke. And then he was all dressed up to the nines for when the queen was going to visit. And then she didn't. And now he just never got to visit or meet her. It was like... As far as we can tell, he didn't get the meter, which is such a shame. But I'm not getting the sense that... I mean, Sydney's allegiances were with the Duke of Windsor, not sure. with the Queen. Yeah. So, I think... Uh, and I think Al- Muhammad put doing these sort of like things to honor the Duke of Windsor and, and Sydney, regardless of how great Sydney was, mm-hmm. those are kind of him like giving backhanded like disrespect to the crown. Because the crown is not proud of the Duke of Windsor, and um, the crown could certainly care less in, about referring to the Sydney dude as like the right hand, you know, the butler of the king. That's a, that's an act of disrespect against the monarchy, regardless of how how uh, moral it may seem for Muhammad to do that. Yeah, but, but we got regardless, I think Muhammad, I'm I'm, fam, I'm fine with Muhammad. Yeah, yeah one yeah, more polo great. match. And now he owns Harrods, so she's got to sit next to him. He's a sponsor. Yeah, so is this like six years later where there's just no... It's a few years later. It's about 1990, uh, I believe, was where we are, because it was 86 that, that then she died and he he dies in between. So it's about 1990, I believe. Okay. 1989. We get a little call-out. We don't see him. That's when Dodie meets uh, Diana in real life also. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, so, the, yeah, the... Uh... The queen and the whole gang shows up, and they're trying to find a way out, and they're like, oh, Porchy's over there. Go say hi to Porchy. It's, it's a funny kind of tacit acknowledgement of, I I want to say it seems like a little bit of racism. because <laughs> For what? You know, with, with the queen not wanting to interact with Al-Fayed there. I think it, it's a publicity thing. I think he's yeah. too tied to the, to the Duke of... of then why is Windsor. she there a few years before, though, with the, whoever else is sponsoring it? Because that person doesn't live in the home that her disgraced uncle lived in. Okay. I mean, I do think probably racism, but I think yeah. that as I think everything you know, everything that she's uh, does is so scrutinized that it's like, what if I sit next to this? Mm-hmm. Egyptian new money guy. It's kind of like a Gilded Age situation. Like she'd yeah. just rather not rub elbows and make it look bad because the press might have a field day with this guy whose whole gimmick is like honoring her 
Nazi uncle. Yep. Also, I do think she's she's trash for not actually talking to him. I think she, there should have yeah. been a scene. They should have interacted. Yeah, for sure. Even just off out of the public eye. I mean, maybe we'll we'll get that because well, Diana comes to sit down though. They send her to do the the dirty work. And they have a good repart- repartee there between the two of them where That's they're going great, on. a great scene. About, what's your name? Uh, Ali Ali. <laughs> you, oh, so you say things twice, twice? No, no. Well, Doo-doo. Well, says, his friends call him Moo Moo. That's right. Poo poo. All right. It's, uh, it's pretty fun. They, they, have, they, they have chemistry there. For a second there, I was like, wait, did because I know she, Diana dated an Alfayette. I was like, wait, is this, is it this Muhammad guy? Did she go for someone much older? And it's like, no, 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 it's, it's going to be Dodie. But I was like, for a moment there, I was like, Muhammad's got something going with her. I, I could buy it. Oh, yeah, he definitely is the, and we see Dodie's like, could care less about. Well, he turns around, I was like, wait, who was who that? End of episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, he even acknowledges, though, he paid a fortune to grovel, and she wasn't there. Yeah. But she, but, uh, it seems like uh, Diana is very much in the same, like, you got me instead. Hey, what's in this gift bag? Show me, you know. Yeah, she even says, like, this is a match made. In, like, this is an oak tree of happiness will grow. You know, this is like a match made in heaven between the two of them, like in that family. Who knows? And that is, that's that. I, that's I, it. I, hope, I hope we get to see the romance between Dodie and Diana. I hope it doesn't just jump ahead there. Um. But yeah, just a I thought it was a fascinating episode the way it just completely starts out so far removed from the queen and it incrementally gets us there along the way with, with uh Mohammed's journey there. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you got to say. I mean, it it yeah. it's really it, it it's exactly as you say, you know, like it's a simple story escalates doesn't quite reach the pinnacle, but the thing is I think one thing about Alf- Muhammad is that he never seems truly angry or upset or bitter at not getting everything his way. Yeah. And one thing, too, about this is, like, this is one of the shorter episodes of the season. It's, like, you know, close to 50 minutes, but not even really. Um, yeah, with the credits? I feel like they could, yeah, they could have taken some time to just, like, luxuriate in it and just, like, tell a little bit of the story. I don't know. It seems like they're just in a rush to kind of get through things a lot in this episode where they... I mean, you make hour-long episodes. Why not spend an extra five minutes on this yeah, didn't one? Didn't we say like, this last week, too? Yeah, just connect the dots. I feel like they're just in such a rush here to c- cover beats. I, I don't get it. And maybe it's a function of them filming during COVID and just not having the time to get through stuff. Maybe there was backlash against over-long episodes in prior seasons. Who knows? I, I don't think there's, there's ever that there. Uh, so, Yeah. That, well, that said, is this week. It's a good episode. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Now, power rankings, Dave. Who's going down this week? Who's going down this week? At number three, I got the queen. I got the queen also. She's petty. So petty. This guy She's basically gives away all these damning documents that, that link her uncle directly to Nazi leadership. And she can't even give him the time to mm-hmm. thank him personally. Like... You're saving yourself a PR nightmare, and yeah. you don't even want to say thanks, man. Thanks for doing this for us. And I'm sure we'll get to more stuff with the Queen this season, but so far, three episodes in, it's kind of odd how little of a factor she's really played. 
Uh, I mean, the first episode we got like her, you know, wanting to keep the Britannica, uh, Britannia, right? To yeah, be be, be uh, renovated and everything. But aside from that, she was barely involved in last week. She's barely there this week. She's just kind of window dressing and everything. It's kind of strange. Uh huh. Who's number two? I ask you that. Who's number two, Dave? We we had the same. Okay, I have the Duchess of Edinburgh. We have to okay. watch her. I got, watch her die. <laughs> I got Keen Edward. Uh, Keen Edward at number two because that guy is trash. I had him and, too, but I don't think he has enough to do in this. He seems like he has an okay week. Yeah, uh, just on principle. <laughs> oh yeah, ideally. Yeah, but who's number one going down, Dave? This is a very skin and bones episode of this show. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be the season on the whole, just based on the, the episode lengths and everything. I got my my number one going down is that guy who sold him the Coca Cola and cut the deal with him. What happened to that guy? <laughs> yeah, where did he wind up? The whole opening scene is about this guy spitting in Muhammad's face, saying like, "You'll never be like this, like me and my sister." Yeah. And hey, why don't I give you a little bit of money to help you start a business? We flash forward. This dude is 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 gone. Yep, you'll never have this girl. But if all he was being kind and 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 a little bit bitter, trying mm-hmm. to get a little business enterprise out of this one strange man on the street selling bottles of soda, and this guy became one of the richest, most influential people in the world. Like, yeah, who do you have at number one? I got the queen, uh, the, the Duchess of Windsor. It was pretty rough. Uh, okay. <laughs> I did not want to see all that going on. Um, rest in peace, I guess. She wasn't married to a good man, and she was actually kind of rough in the early seasons if you recall how, how kind of rude she was she was very much on the same page as King Edward so yeah they're not great yeah go away well she did she's dead now yep died a pretty lonely and sad death <laughs> pretty horrible well who's going up then I got Dodie at number three I got Dodie at number three too he's just riding some coattails he's doing just fine strong mustache Maybe, going on yeah uh, Cherry Sapphire you know yeah um, which one thing to comment on about Dodie too is like, you know, I looked him up in real life. He's a handsome enough guy. This guy that they got playing Dodie, no offense, but he's not, he's not a looker uh, as and much also, as like also the, main... the guy that they have to play Muhammad Salim Dawes, the actor's name, charismatic as, as, oh, yeah. as you can get. And this for is... like an old dude, mm-hmm. he could, he could pull like, I don't, and that's... I believe him in Heine. That's exactly why when I was watching, it's like, Wait, is he the one who's going to wind up with Elizabeth? Or, I mean, not Elizabeth, um, <laughs> Queen Elizabeth, that would be great. <laughs> no, with Diana. Like, know. it was like, they have a, a good thing going here. And this Dodie guy, I don't think he's handsome enough for Diana, but this Mohammed, I could definitely see it. I think the show should just rewrite the episodes and just have Mohammed be the one with Diana. Why Why not? That'll be the one that Judy Dench gives us the intro saying it's fake. <laughs> I mean, they already play fast and loose enough with the, the history of things. Um, well, who's number two? Uh, well, number two, uh, I got Sydney. I got Sydney too. <laughs> I mean, the guy—he went from king to to aristocrat. He did. He he had a great life for the most part, aside from working crazy hours. I think when you work in service, you really don't care. <laughs> That's your life. Yeah, yeah it, it's just your honor to to serve people who matter and stuff. And he had like a real second life with Muhammad. You know, yeah. he he got pulled off the streets of the Bahamas. You know, he was a Baha man, and now mm-hmm. he's a. Then he was the the valet of the duke, and then he was working at a hotel, and he gets plucked from that to be the valet of a billionaire, millionaire, however rich yeah. Muhammad was. Big upgrade, for sure. 
and the only person to go above him is, is it's kind of a no-brainer. It's Muhammad. <laughs> yeah, none other. The guy goes from rags to riches. This this is a great story. Good for him. Yeah, and he's still kicking. He was born in nineteen twenty-nine. Nineties. Yeah, man, <laughs> going strong, going hard. I love it. Uh, good for him. Now, for what really happened versus uh, fiction. Uh, so yeah, it was a thing where this, this Cindy Johnson was working for uh, King Edward, and when uh, the Duke passed away, he had to find a new job and was serving at the Ritz, and some way, somehow, he kind of worked his way into being in the inner circle of Mohammed, and then was also he was most involved with the purchase and restoration of the Duke of Windsor's house. That's where he really was tight with Mohammed. Uh-huh. Um. The, the only thing that they're really, really leaning into here is like, like this guy was like his best friend and he taught him all about the worlds. And, the, and it's true that Mohammed commented that Cindy Johnson knew everything about the worlds. So like he was a very handy person to have around for that. But I don't know if it's necessarily accurate to say that he trained Mohammed on how to be and act like a royal and all that. <laughs> and, okay. and, and they weren't necessarily boys where they just followed each other everywhere. And, and like, like hung out and, and so Mohammed didn't tend to him on his deathbed. Right, it wasn't like he was there late at night watching the Oscars with him, probably. Uh, it would be like saying, like, Dave, you and I have been best friends all our life, and then you make a TV show about it, and we just hung out at all times of the day and everything. Um, yeah, broad strokes yeah. there. Spoiler alert to our listeners, we don't hang out all the time. <laughs> this is the only time we talk to each other. <laughs> um, but other than that, closer to the truth than most of the episodes so far this season, so... It well, operates I mean, in such pretty, broad yeah. strokes. How can it not? Right. It can just cherry pick the actual historical events and just insert them. Um, like we said, like they act like Chariots of Fire just happened when it was five years prior. We won an Oscar. And it's like something where we're all alive. A lot of people were alive during that time frame to know like you're jumping. You're jumping ahead quite a bit there. <laughs> like you're really playing fast and loose. I wonder uh, if, if Muhammad will come back as a character. This is just table I hope setting. So. I hope I hope they just rewrite history and he just ends up with Elizabeth and Phil is on the outside looking in. Yeah, or Margaret or something. Oh, yeah. Why not? I just make Mohammed. I give me the Mohammed show. I'm all in. Mohammed Al Fayed. Let's let's go. Yeah, man. Or give me the Cindy Johnson story. Or both Uh, simultaneously. Apparently they had Sidney Johnson uh, there in one of the earlier seasons with King Edward. It was just a different actor who was playing him. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's so, that. This is a record yeah. short episode. <laughs> I mean, these episodes are pretty short in, in season five of The Crown. Uh, Very straightforward, I mean, too. All around 50-ish minutes. I, I, it's like they want to get in and get out for some reason, collect their paychecks. I don't know. It, it's just wild to think, too, like... You look at season two where episodes, the first three episodes are 54, 56, and then the last stretch of five or six episodes are all an hour. Uh-huh. First season, every single episode is a full, pretty much a full hour. Uh, season three, they start to trim it down where there's some 40-minute episodes. Season two, they, their season four, they bounce back up to closer like to an hour than some in the 50s, but this is like a steady, just 50 minutes, get the paycheck, get out. Done. Yeah. The longest episode we'll see this season is a 58-minute one, but... I'll take it. Yeah. 
Anyways, Dave, so you were in Disney. Did you get to see anything else or uh, watch anything while you're down there? Not really. Uh, they okay. got the TV channels are very curated. I watched a lot mm-hmm. of, about Disney parks. <laughs> Not a lot. Great. Like when the TV was on. Um, played a little Pokemon uh, Violet or whatever the new ones. I have one of the yeah. two new ones <laughs> on the plane, but that's really it. What about you, Corey? What have you been watching? Uh, I was home for Thanksgiving and um, watched the the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. That was that was nice. It was a, okay, nice and sweet. And um, I've been watching this uh, Korean. Uh, it's not really a Korean drama. It's, a, it's kind of a romance uh, business proposal. It's about a woman who fakes going on a date with the CEO of her company, but then they fall for each other. It's a whole thing. Oh, it's okay. nice. Uh, that's pretty much it for me, though. Yeah, well, we can keep this brief and, and to the point, like the episode of the, of the show. So yeah, we'll say it, it. You know, Spotify just released their Wrapped. Uh, oh yeah. You know, listening stats. So if people actually listen to us and you want to share that, put that out there. We would love to to know if you are have actually been listening to us. We've seen some of the stats. We're, we're apparently listened to in forty four different countries, which is that's great. That's great. That's astounding. And, and yeah, uh, really appreciate your listenership. And so. Yeah, and if you want more of us, there's a Patreon with uh, some bonus episodes. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, interact with us there, lordsgrantham at gmail.com, uh, Facebook, uh, leave a five-star ratings and reviews on iTunes, Spotify, and I hear Amazon offers that as well now. So just wherever Ooh, you can, okay. just leave us a five-star rating and review, and we'll appreciate that. And we'll catch you next time on the pod. Yep.